Hello, everybody in podcast land and also on YouTube. I'm James. I'm David. I'm Riley. I'm Sarah. And hey. this is the Carpool Critics Movie Podcast, where today we are discussing Jonathan Demme's 1992 classic, The Silence of the Lambs. Spoiler alert. And I have to tell you, this was the mo- one of the most iconic box art movie covers at the video store when I was a child. Oh, yeah. It totally. Looked, I kept going to it. I was like, I don't really want to watch that movie, but I want to look at the box. Indeed. It's scary. And who's the woman on the... Fr- is that, Jodie is Foster. That, is that Jodie Foster? Yeah, yeah man. Just, they, like, blew out her face like crazy. She's exposed. Just, no, it's just her natural skin color. They just put makeup on her the rest of the time. <laughs> she's actually a Smurf. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> they just got some random child. It's it kind of does look like a child. Yeah, yeah. They got the death's head moth over top of her mouth. Yep. The little skull on it. Wow. The only other cover that comes to mind from like way back when that haunts me similarly is it. Oh. Yeah, the Tim Curry. Go- yeah, the Tim Curry one. Oh yeah, not the other one. Well, it didn't exist when you. I did don't it. even remember what one. the poster looks like. It's just all white except the letters it. Good is debatable. Red. That's a that's a highly debatable thing you just said. The concept. It's better. I like it better. Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> the Silence of the Lambs. David, hello. What are you giving this movie out of 10? Silence of the Lambs makes the skin crawl right off your body. But not due to the grisly murders and body horror, but because of the absolute horror that is the male gaze. (laughs) 9.1 out of 10. Wow. And that's uh, G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S, just to be clear. Leave it to David. (laughs) The the wokest take in the room. Yo, that's not even a woke take. (laughs) That's like a huge part of this movie. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, my slogan is, with excellent performances, cinematography, and themes, to boot, Silence of the Lamb, uh, of the singular lamb, f- <laughs> floats like a butterfly, but stings like a bill. <laughs> <laughs> I give it 8 out of 10. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but, uh, you know, I wasn't crying at the end, like uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King or anything, so. I don't think you're supposed to cry in this movie. Of fear, even. Not the same. No, it was good. I loved it. Yeah, I cry when Buffalo Bill doesn't get what he wants. <laughs> I cry every time Goodbye Horses comes on. Beep beep. <laughs> dude, dude. You don't know Sarah? that song? Like nope. A- I'm moving okay. on. Talk about it later. <laughs> okay, The Silence of the Lambs is a well-deserved award-winning film that not only successfully depicts the twisted nature of a serial killer, but also the underlying struggle of a woman in a male-dominated industry. Nine out of ten. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs <laughs> is one of those seminal works that launches an entire franchise which is forever doomed to chase the magic of the original, and Ma- Manhunter doesn't count. Nine out of ten. Mm. This movie freaking rules. Well, I love you it. You guys yeah. all give it nine out of ten. You yeah. give it a yeah, nine point one. Nine point one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're gonna creep up there. Yeah, I think so. I'm no, gonna convince you I mean, how sweet it is. I've seen this movie multiple times. I think I enjoyed it a lot on this rewatch. I think that um, uh, I it's one of the horror movies that I, I it's it's kind of interesting because last. Uh, episode we talked about last episode that sarah was on where we talked about um hereditary yep that was right <laughs> we talked about like kind of this this wave of smart horror movies and i feel like this was before that wave we're talking about but like this is what i want from a horror movie oh, like yeah yeah it's less of a horror i guess well it's funny it's in the same decade as seven which we also reviewed but it feels like like eons apart mm-hmm. like seven feels so much more like contemporary in a weird way and this feels so much more timeless like it could have oh, been really? made in the 80s made in the 70s and Truly. it would have been Mostly yeah, yeah, about yeah. mostly the same. It's based on a that. book that's older though. That's so. fair. That's fair. Anyways, uh, Carpal Critics, that's us. We're supported by Manscaped and their performance package kit. It comes with a ton of stuff, including the new lawnmower waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce nicks and cuts, their crop preserver ball deodorant for those balls, and a weed whacker nose and ear trimmer. 
for you old people and your old long hair in your ears. Uh, okay. They also have their Shears 2.0 Luxury Nail Kit. Damn! Head on to manscaped.com forward slash carpool20 today and get 20% off today plus free international shipping a couple days later. Plus, you'll get their shed, travel bag, and a pair of anti-chafing boxer briefs available for a limited time. How can I say no? We're also brought to you by Private Internet Access VPN. PIA helps you hide your true IP address so that you can bypass geo-restrictions and censorship. You can connect up to 10 devices at once and it includes an internet kill switch if your VPN gets disconnected <laughs> involuntarily. PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even in the maximum security prison. So check it out at lmg.gg slash carpoolcritics. I feel like the mask is kind of holding that back a little bit. Like it could sound a little better if it wasn't like... Well, he doesn't do it when he's on that dolly with the mask in front of his face, right? I think that's closer. Oh. <laughs> the hell was that? That was hereditary again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where to begin, well, everybody? Is, do you guys consider this a horror movie? Because before watching hmm. this, in my head, it was definitely a thriller. But watching it this time, it's like way more full horror than I, I remember. A like, lot of the violence is off screen. So right. it can still be very intense. And almost sometimes more intense when it's off-screen violence. But I I hear what you're saying, David, especially the climax when they're in the basement and he's, like, reaching out and almost yeah. touching her and stuff. That's really, like, almost, like, That's Friday great. the 13th. Well, even, like, yeah. lots of stuff, too. Like, when there's they're doing the autopsy on the body and they're finding the cocoon in her throat, like, it's kind of body horror where, like, the body still looks human and, like, you get a close-up on that face and, like, something going down the throat and pulling out and then that, the breath coming out. And it's these, like, really visceral feelings of, like, fear mm. and, like, discomfort. I think the body actually was an actor laying on the slab. Oh. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that the moth that they pull out was made of candy so yeah. that it, you couldn't choke on it. Like, if you... Yeah, it would just, like, dissolve or whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's a film that kind of skirts the line. Like, at mm. some points, it definitely feels more horror-like, but then you can, it kind of pulls back and you're like, okay, I don't... You know, there isn't, like, a person around the corner about to stab me. And at that but at points yeah. there are yeah but i think the interesting example of that is hannibal lecter who we are kind of like built up to appreciate in this sort of, he's like this like legendary figure before we even see him we hear about how horrible he is and then in that in his interactions with clarice there is a sense of dread and 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 power that like he's held behind this glass but if he could just get it beyond that glass um you know hell would break loose and we do see that later yeah. And that scene is especially with, you know, the guard hanging up like oh god. flayed. Yeah. Like that's pretty horrific. Yeah, but. the gore is always like my determining factor whether or not something is a thriller or a horror. And there's definitely gore in here. I mean, we see Hannibal Lecter bite off that guy's face, yeah. right? But we don't really see it. We see the back there's of Hannibal's blood. head. Yeah, that's true. And then also when he is like smacking the guy with the the bar, oh, there's yeah. blood splattering everywhere, mm -hmm. and you hear it. You don't. But see it's it off screen, right? You're looking at yeah. Hannibal, and you're seeing him swing. That's true. Yeah. Um, but we do see the cadaver, and we also see the cop hanging up, um, like fully spread eagle on on the. And, and you see so. Hannibal pull a face off his yeah. face. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. it's like a, I I feel like it's horror because like there's a masked cannibal who eats people. So like to me like that alone is like that's yeah, kind of, that, yeah it starts to fall within like sh horror. If you're if you're having trouble remembering all of these things that we're referencing, <laughs> let me remind you with oh, yeah. the synopsis. That part of the podcast. <laughs> Promising FBI agent in training Clarice Starling is sent to ask for the help of the brilliant psychiatrist and incarcerated cannibalistic serial killer, don't forget that part, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Lecter agrees to assist Starling in tracking down Buffalo Bill, his former patient and current serial killer, who cuts large chunks of skin from his female victims. But in return, Lecter forces Starling to reveal personal details, including the fact that due to childhood trauma, instead of counting sheeps, she counts screaming lambs. 
Not quite. Buffalo Bill kidnaps the daughter of a senator, bringing national attention to the case, and to Lecter, attention that Lecter's psychiatrist, Dr. Chilton, uses to leverage fame for himself. Lecter reveals Buffalo Bill's real name in exchange for a transfer to better accommodations. There, Starling confronts Lecter about the fake name he gave the authorities, but he refuses to give her any more information other than the case file. Later that evening, Lecter escapes from his cell by slicing off and wearing a guard's face while Starling pours over the case file and realizes one of the victims knew Buffalo Bill. While piecing together clues like some sort of detective, Starling stumbles upon his lair and after a tense confrontation involving night vision, shoots him dead. Later, at the FBI Academy graduation, Starling receives a phone call from her old friend Hannibal, now in the Bahamas. He assures Starling he has no plans to pursue her before excusing himself. He's having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> it's Dr. Chilton, because he hates him. Um, yeah, I think it's a great ending. I like the open-endedness of it. Yeah. Where, you know, Hannibal's still out there. Yeah. I, I Was this the this, this, this was the first movie the with series, Hannibal, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's Manhunter, which is a Michael Mann adaptation of the first book in this series. Oh. Oh. Silence of the Lambs is the second book. Right. And so Manhunter, was, uh, or that book, was adapted again after this movie, after the sequel, in um, Red Dragon. Red ah. Dragon, Manhunter, same story. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, how, how many movies did they make overall? Or how, how many books, how many movies? I don't, I don't know, know how many books there are, but there's, there's Silence of the Lambs, there's Hannibal, which is the direct sequel, then there's Red Dragon, which is the prequel, mm. also known as Manhunter, and then there's uh, there was another prequel one where he's a kid. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I don't know. That and was like, Hannibal's show as well. Yeah. Right. And also, about a week ago, they announced they're making a movie called Clarice. So, Why? Yeah. Why? And Mindhunter shares the same, like, thing that it's based off of. Manhunter? Oh. Yeah. Of, like, FBI oh, Mind Hunter. Mindhunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, like, FBI agents talking to serial killers to get right. into the mind of... This right. is a this is a thing that has been done a lot, and Silence of the Lambs still remains one of the better ones. It's so good. It's, I mean, yeah. I, I was um, I was as you were saying earlier, I was kind of taken aback by how not really dated it seemed. Like, per, other than some like concepts yeah. that we'll get into about you know like transsexualism and whatnot, but like, um, it it didn't seem that dated. I was like, yeah. this could be made today, especially just because like. So much of the, we'll get into it. So much of the cinematography, it was just like, it kind of blew me away. I was I think like, I don't see this anymore. I think that's uh, one of the most interesting things about the movie and why I think to me it does really fall into horror is the experiential, uh, like yeah. what you get when you're having all these characters look you directly in the yes, eye. So, and that's such a big yeah. part of it. So Jonathan Demme, the director, called it subjective camera. That's mm. his name for it. Okay. And um, it's really interesting because... The way they use it props up the themes of the movie, right? Like when Starling is being briefed by Crawford that she's going to have to meet him, um, he, he tells her, the last thing you want is Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, it's we're just like waiting for her to get, for him to get exactly right inside her head. Yeah. So you go, she goes to, actually, I need to back up and just talk about scene transitions. Okay. Because the transitions <laughs> in this movie are so amazing. So amazing. Yeah, the first really sick one is, um, give me a second here. The first sick one is is at the end of Crawford's speech, right after he warns her about that. He's kind of in the hero's journey thing. He's like a threshold guardian. Like, you're about to go to the top turvy world, and I'm going to like warn you about what's there. And in the last sentence of that speech, he says, never forget what Hannibal is. Hmm. He doesn't even finish that sentence. Instead, that sentence is finished by Chilton, because there's a cut right there. And now Clarice is in the hospital. And then Chilton says, oh, he's a monster. <laughs> and then he starts briefing her. Yeah. And then this is when they they descend 
into hell oh, because they actually go downstairs yeah. to the dungeon where this guy is kept. And when they get on their way down the stairs, they do that thing in a movie where you get a big info dump yeah. of like really important stuff that you would probably in real life sit down to tell a person yeah. like, okay, yeah, yeah. don't go close to the glass. But instead he's telling her while they're moving, yeah. uh, which makes it more exciting and you're trying to process all this. But when they get to the bottom of the stairs, all the lights are red. Yep. Like they're in hell now. Yeah. And that is when Chilton is describing to her, look at what he maimed this nurse. He ate, mm. they, re they had to reset her jaw. Like she, her nose is gone or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then she has to go towards the, uh, down the tunnel to get to him, right? And not only is she entering hell, but they're also kind of, uh, even D in Demi's words, entering the human mind. They're delving into the <laughs> psyche deeper right. and deeper. And yeah. I just love that he's at the end of the hall and you, can, you can't see him, but you can see the chair. We set a chair yeah. up for you, and you just know it, when she gets to the end, like that's where that whole you're going to confront the monster. That whole moving down the hallway is so great too, because like the serial killers get worse. Like the first one standing there, and he's like hello or whatever. He says hi, and he seems like he's okay. He killed people, but he seems mostly normal. The next guy's like sitting on his on on the floor of his cell in like some sort of depressive state or whatever. The next guy's jumping all over the place like an like an ape, and then we get to the last one. And and Hannibal's just standing there perfectly yeah. still. His spine is like his. Yeah. I've never seen such great uh, <laughs> posture. posture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Demi actually asked, uh, "Who's the actor? Oh my God, Anthony, Anthony, Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins." He's like, "How do you want to play this? How, right. how do you want to be discovered?" And Hopkins said, "Oh, we just thought it was so creepy. The thought of people like just standing, like standing erect or just standing in a room like alone. Like there's no one to present to, but yeah. you're still kind of presenting. <laughs> He's just ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very creepy. But when we're pushing down that hallway, it's all in that subjective camera and that, and that interaction is with the subjective camera as well. But Demi says you can't just like just hop to first person. You no. kind of have to build up to yep. it. So when she when they get to the bottom of the stairs, they enter hell, um, you get this weird moment where they do a full 360 of the tiny little room she's in. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shows the bricks and just there's like a big red button to close this gate. And here's a megaphone. And there's a guy just like loading weapons or something. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. ominous. <laughs> and then the camera ends that 360 on the guard there. And he, he says something like, how are you doing? And it's like a video game. Almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're talking to an NPC. Yeah. And you're just like. Because looking, looking straight into the camera. Yeah. 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 But okay, but going ha back to having to build up to, to that, that's like our first shot of subjective camera. But then when she goes down the hall and starts to interact with him, it always starts off wide. Yeah. But then the shots progressively get closer and closer to, until they're just like right in the mask yeah. of their face. From, you can't even see their foreheads. Yeah. And that corresponds with the, mo the most like prying questions that he asks her until he and we are just like, inside of their heads that's interesting though because there is first person shots earlier in the movie because like when she's talking to her superiors and stuff that's all like direct contact yeah crawford it yeah. starts right with crawford and i and think so, that it's like it's something that the movie uses to unsettle you both like from hannibal and other people who are dangerous but also from just like people in her life who aren't necessarily dangerous but i think that that um underlines the kind of the, the theme of her being a woman in a man's world yeah. and yep. trying to like the male gaze, you know, yep. like it's real, like we're experiencing it. Yeah. How, do, how does it feel, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean. know. <laughs> well, yeah. my girlfriend, when we were watching it, was just like, Clarice Starling is the perfect feminist icon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. agree with that, yeah, that statement. 
Um, one fun fact actually is that the first time that Jodie Foster actually saw Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter was her walking down that hallway. She didn't know he was going to be standing there like that mm. during <laughs> that scene. So, I mean, like, I mean, she doesn't really seem super terrified when she first sees him, but mm. you can progressively see her being like, oh, okay, right. this is actually happening. She's an FBI agent. Yeah. She probably is like... Well, she, I, before I, she walks down the hall, she takes a deep breath. Like, yeah. You can tell throughout the movie the times where she's like just barely holding it together. And, oh, yeah. And she's like... Pr- Constantly trying to be the best version of herself who she wants to be. Yeah. yeah. I think, though, she's a grossly underpraised person in this movie. Everyone always talks about Anthony Hopkins, but if it wasn't for her grounding everything that happens in this movie through her performance, it wouldn't work as well. Well, she won she's Best awesome. Actress. Yeah, Did but I, I feel like yeah. now, though, everyone... I, I haven't had a conversation with anyone about like Jodie Foster's performance, and this is always about Hannibal That's Lester. That's true. Yeah, the movie won won like the big four Oscars, which is like... Five. Uh, well, it won the big four, which is uh, like... Best best picture, best director, best screenplay, and best actor, but also won like best actor and best support and best uh, actress, leading mm. lady, best actor and <laughs> fe- best female. What is the actual title? Uh, best female actor in a leading role. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. something along those lines. Uh, this was kind of her her breakout role, right? Sort of. I mean, she'd been in Taxi Driver as a she had already person. won an Oscar before this. Oh, she was in Taxi Driver. She yeah. was like a kid actress. Yeah. Right, right, right. No, but Never she mind. already won an a- an Oscar before this. What did she win? Uh, an Oscar? Yes. Oh. This is her second Oscar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I don't know the movie. I, made you, I already made you repeat it twice. Um, yeah, you. I thought that she was great. I loved her in this role. I mean, like, uh, she has that tenacity. I, I love that she, uh, the characterization of her, her being from West Virginia and kind of like having this accent that she tries to hide. And then he he detects it and like copies her accent and like brings it out. It just It just places her as... Like we know, we know from the get go that she is this woman in a man's world trying to be strong. She's like out on their like training course by herself. She comes back to the academy and everyone's training there, but yeah. she's out doing stuff by herself. She has something to prove. Uh, we learn later, you know, her family history where her mom and her dad both died young. She went to live with uh, relatives and she was traumatized. So she has this like this baggage to overcome and her old jar, or her old journey and arc is to become a real agent to become a competent agent to to and i thought that was a little weak at first because i was like what is her arc you know she doesn't really change that much other than becoming more competent over the course of the uh the the story but i kind of fe- felt like she already was competent well, i don't think the arc is about being competent i think it's about mm. being recognized because mm. i think at, from the beginning she's uber intelligent she's right fitting in and like She's so good at diffusing situations. Like, I can't remember what it, it it was, but the the warden or whatever, when he brings her down, he thinks he's going in there too. And she's like, you're not going in with me. But she talks him down because he's trying to escalate the situation, create conflict. But she, like, definitely just talks him down. Well, that's like, the point where she actually uses her sexuality to her advantage, right? Yeah. Because he already, like, asks her out in the first, like, seconds that he yeah. meets her, right? The guy's so creepy. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> she says, I think because Lecter thinks of you as an enemy, it's best I go in alone. Yep. And he's like, well, you could have t- told me that in my office. office. And then she says, well, then I would have missed out on your company. Yeah, yeah. And well, smiles at him. Totally. And he's like, okay. I don't know if, I don't know if that's... I didn't read that. I read that to her as, as her getting a little jab at him because it's like he hit on her and he's like, and she's like reminding him that she does have a brain and she's not just there to be like a, a pretty girl. I don't think. I, I don't think. I, I think she's playing way, it no. as like she's playing the diplomat game. She's like, you thought to, you thought based on his response that he was flattered because I thought he was kind of like, hmm, nice one. 
Like uh, I, I felt uh. that he wasn't. I think it, it totally it disarmed. <laughs> it him. could be both. Yeah, I think I think after that he progressively started to like her less. Yeah, and started to kind of be more against her than for her and what right. she's doing. That's kind of the way I read it, where yeah. that was the starting point. But that, I don't know. It could be both. Like I think she I think she used the fact that she's seen this way in order to kind of get this little jab yeah. at him. Maybe he was he was uh, put out that the the gentleman cannibal liked her better than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. weird to me. Like there's gentleman spy, there's gentleman sleuth, there's gentleman thief. Now there's gentleman cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. He is a gentleman, isn't he? I mean, it's, like he's a he's a gentleman who eats people. <laughs> well, it's so interesting. Like they they do I mean, they do an incredible job. The fact that we talk about this character and like he's so part of like pop culture this many years later, but he's so fundamentally unlikable, but they 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 create a line where he won't cross. He won't cross the line of sexual assault. And if anyone does, that's too far. He's going to kill you. Oh, what? He's not uncouth. That's he's not uncouth. Where, where do they say that? Well, he kills the, the prisoner that jerks off on yeah, her. Yeah, he kills Migs. Or he's, he, like, he's so incensed at the sexual oh, assault. He is that why he kills him? It's not explicitly stated that it's the sexual aspect of it. He just thought that um, Migs was like, it was a discourtesy and it was rude and, and gross that he did that. Yeah. He, he doesn't. He never explicitly says, this like, I don't dig yeah. sex stuff. But, <laughs> but I guess I'm, I'm, I, it's entirely possible I missed that. I feel like the the scenes with, with uh, Anthony Hopkins, I'm just, like, so entranced by his performance. I feel like sometimes I'm, like, not, I, like, I miss lines and stuff because I'm, so, I'm, like, just, like, studying his face and, like, the way he portrays this character is just so great. So I, t- I totally could have missed that he mentioned that uh, I... I don't like think it's implica- him that mentions it. It's someone else no, no, that mentions it. The implication it. you're saying is that he killed Miggs for the impropriety of... That's well, right. and like he wasn't really that helpful to Clarice until that happened. And he's like, Clarice, come here, come here. And then he like gives her an info dump because she got assaulted. Yeah, yeah. And I found that a weird, a weird, that a was weird, a weird thing about him. But it, it works because you're like, oh, he's okay. He's totally okay. And like yeah. he's kind of like the other male in the movie. You're like... Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that we like. We like him, right? We're, yeah. It's almost like aspirational. It's like who won? There's aspects of him that you want to be. Like, totally. wouldn't you want to be as civilized and cool and draw as good as him and like have that cool <laughs> accent and be so smart? Like, he, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's 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 the competence, it's the power that is attractive. I think where we yeah. we respect him. We might not like him as a person, but we respect his competence. Well, this movie totally is one of the reasons why. I, I, I don't know if you guys had this, but I knew a bunch of people that were like, I'm totally a sociopath because <laughs> they were like I'm trying to be like, I'm super intelligent. I'm like above it all. I'm so smart. Yeah. And, and then you I... identify as a sociopath because of like people like Hannibal Lecter. And it's like, what? and sometimes oh. I feel like eating people. <laughs> all <laughs> those aspects delicious. of his character, though, even though those those are benefit or the like, good traits, values. Yeah. They all play into how terrifying he is. too. Right. Though. Yeah. Totally. He's, he's also. He's like a um, like a super intelligent spider or something like yeah. that. You know, like I can't understand your mind. I just know you're a killing machine. Yeah, and I'm scared of you. Like I wanna I, I wanna be in your good books because you can easily kill me. Well, totally. Yeah. Even just the fact that he's a therapist. Like a therapist is so good at kind of getting deeper than you necessarily want a person to go. Right. And, and he, he's got malicious intent. So like he, that's scary. And he pushes the boundaries immediately. He knows totally. the rules are. He knows that she's not supposed to get close to the glass. And the first thing he does is show me your credentials. Closer. <laughs> closer. Yeah. Closer. He, he, he pushes yeah. her to get yeah. to see how far he can push her to yeah. see what her limits are i yeah. think um a really good example of like the kind of character that hannibal lecter is as well as like the relationship he has with clarice is when after hannibal leaves uh disappears so to speak 
um, Clarice is walking through the FBI um, with her friend and she's like, oh, aren't you scared that Hannibal Lecter is going to come after you? And Clarice is like, yeah, he, he would consider it rude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it yeah. kind of just like shows you that he is more of a courteous serial killer or he likes her. He kind of relates with her over the fact that... So he has principles. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah, it's an interesting idea because he's not... I mean, I, you said he was a gentleman cannibal, but like... I, he's not a gentleman in the sense that like a gentleman is nice to everybody, right? He's 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 less of a gentleman, more of like a principled human who only extends courtesies to other humans that he also comes to respect. But we don't really see him be discourteous to people. Like even the guards he kills, he's kind and like he peacefully sits back and has well, like his thing. Oh, that's manipulation. You would, yeah, you wouldn't call that courtesy because he kills them. But he, I guess, I mean, like, is anything he does like really kind or courteous? Like, well, it's, I think it's, he, he helps. He, he loves the appearance of it. But I think that's what, I think that's why the character is so interesting because mm. Clarice is a special that's case. Fair. She comes to talk to him and most people that he interacts with, he's like, you are ants to me. I'm a predator. You're prey. You're nothing. You're not actual real humans. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like this concept in 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 Dune, because James got me on Dune. I'm gonna relate it to Dune. Uh, yes. In Dune, they they go through this like pain trial uh, process called the what's it called, James? Oh, I was looking at my notes. Is that when Timothy Chalamet puts his hand in the box? Yeah, yeah, the thing in the box. Oh, I yeah, yeah. That part. I really, if yeah. But anyways, the, 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 the ink jabbar or something. Uh, the gom jabbar. Yeah, the gom jabbar. The gom jabbar, where you put the, your hand in a in a pain box and it just like. Um, the pain gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, if you can withstand the pain without bringing your hand out of the box, then you are deemed a quote unquote human by the uh, by the people who do huh. it. And and Paul, the main character, leaves his hand in the longest out of all of them. So he's like, oh, he's more than human. But anyways, it, it's Anthony <laughs> Hopkins, uh, Hannibal Lecter, kind of does this process where you know Clarice comes and talks to him, and she, he tests her. Right? Mm. He wants to know about her. Her, her personal details and throughout their interaction he kind of like gains respect for her so then then she ascends to this level where he's like i won't i won't consider killing you at the That's end fair. he says i have no plans to pursue you do you do for you, now yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah dinner's yeah. always coming every day um do you think that when she offers him the deal he actually receives that kindness or do you think that he's immediately like conniving how to take advantage of it well, it's not kindness per se. But well, she's making a deal, but it's like a pretty good deal to like go to a prison where she'll be. Able to, I mean, she's lying about it too. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you think he's receiving at that point? Because I think like that's a turning point in their character, like their relationship as well. Um, I think that it probably says something that she is willing to bring him this deal, I guess. But I, I didn't, I didn't view that so much as like a relationship building thing as it was like a professional relationship sort of like. Like they're they're okay. I agree to work together. We're going into business. It's it was, but it's less like now I know you as a friend sort of thing. I feel like that does happen later. I think their relationship expands for the first time when she's willing to be vulnerable. She mm, knows she's not yes. supposed to let him into her head, yeah. but she actually does. Yeah, and that's what fascinates him. Yeah. And because that's the beginning of the quid pro quo, and so that's when he begins to respect her. Well, let's talk about that scene. I love that. that's such an interesting scene. They say. The shouting of the lambs twice, but never silence of the lambs. Screaming. Screaming of but, the lambs. Yeah, they don't say, yeah. I'm like waiting for them but to it, say I, sc- silence. I, I think yeah. it's such a cool choice because like obviously every time you hear screaming of the lambs, your mind is like, it's om- almost, There's almost. Silence? But then they never say it and like it kind of like leaves a silence in your mind a little bit, like a mm. little bit of a gap for you to fill in. Totally. Well, it also it, makes you think about the title and think like, oh, that's actually like her. 
her arc. That's what she's going for in this movie is trying to silence the lambs. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. By being competent or recognized yeah. or whatever. I just love how enthralled he is. He's just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the intensity <laughs> of the... Why did you leave? Man, yeah. And so, like, I mentioned the cinematography and we talked a little bit about this... Um, uh, what'd you call it? Subjective. subjective camera. Subjective camera. And um, it's not only that... The, the reason I love it so much is that it's not only that they have, you know, these shots where the person's looking at right at the camera and, you know, that's kind of creepy or weird or unsettling. It's the fact that some characters are framed that way and other characters are not. In the early scenes, like the first scene where Clarice meets Hannibal, he's look, there, there's, a, there's uh, some shots where it's like f- his face takes up the full frame and he's looking directly at the camera, but then it cuts back to her and she's a lot farther back from the from the camera you know we see her head and shoulders and everything and she's also not looking directly at the camera she's looking off screen so it like it contributes to that feeling of it's like a power imbalance right he's seeing directly into our soul and we see all his competence and his power and it tr- cuts back to her and she she's you know, also she sitting any. she's sitting in that first scene right hmm. there's that too yeah, yeah. he's so, looking down at her and she's looking up later on when she comes back with the deal the dossier that she puts and presents like look you're gonna live in this island or whatever yeah she's standing in that scene and he's sitting man i wish i could remember exactly what she said but there's a point in that conversation it might be a later one when he's still in like the dungeon where she kind of turns things around and asks him a question and he gets taken off guard a little bit. And so the framing for that one is it's a little closer on her face when she turns it around on him. And I thought, like, the, just the blocking, the, they do such a good job in this movie. Are you talking about the time where she, um, they're talking about serial killers and she says, like, they all take a, um, they all have, oh, like, a, yes. a trophy that they take. And then she, he says, I didn't have one. He's like, well, you ate yours. Yes. And then that's when he breaks eye contact with her. Exactly. He looks to the side. That's exactly the, the <laughs> moment I'm talking about. Yeah. I, it was such a good moment, too, because you see that he he's not, like, a complete... It, it, it humanizes him a little bit because he's like, hmm, I have to think about that. Yeah, it's like they're really playing tennis now. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's got someone to play with. What do you think about when uh, he touches her finger? It yeah. was, like, the most respectful, disrespectful touch I've ever seen. Yeah, how do you how do you read that? I don't know. I, I think that just shows their relationship, so to speak, as, like, that's finally their touching point <laughs> of... I don't know how to describe it. Do you think that it's, like, they're finally connecting Versus, like, I don't, you, David, you said, you kind of hinted that you think that's kind of, like, a creepy move. Well, uh, it's certainly uncomfortable. I think like, it's, it has symbolism of sorts. I'm just trying to put my finger on it. Um, okay. I don't, it feels, hmm. Can I say something? Yeah, 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 <laughs> go for it, go for it. I wanted you to get your point, but yeah. um, I feel like it can be many things at once. Like, it's mm. definitely unsettling, and it's meant to be creepy, where it's like, ew, mm. this guy, like, took the opportunity to, like, touch your skin. I think that it is consistent with the way that he has um, given her what she wants only by extracting from her what he wants. He's like, I'll only get you, get you your information if you give me your personal details about your life that like I, I crave. Um, Plus this bargain deal. It, yeah, and in that moment, in that scene specifically, she's trying to get him to give her information and he doesn't give her anything except the case file. Um, and so it could be sort of that he's like he's like holding back and he's not giving her what she wants. And so that is like a final insult to like touch her mm. finger to be like, and I'm just going to take my little touch for my you touch, so I can yeah. remember because I'm a freak. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it can be also a, a, a gesture of respect of like, I hope you 
I hope you get them. Yeah, yeah, it could totally be the opposite. It could be like, yeah, I didn't give you anything right now, but we're friends. Yeah. And in my own like weird, gross way, because I'm a creep, yeah, this yeah. is how I say I'm connecting with you. Huh. You have to meet people where they're at, right? You know, it's like when a rescue dog does something, and you're like, that's that means he likes you. It's like, well, that's <laughs> he's doing it wrong, but I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think what, what I'm... <laughs> it's like when a dog's humping your leg, you know? He means well. <laughs> he means well. <laughs> I think the finger touching is almost symbolism of a handshake. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had this glass plexi separating us for the longest time, but we've still been exchanging information. He knows this is the final exchange. This is like a handshake, right. and here's your information. Like, yeah. go get him. That's fair. I, uh, I've i watched this movie many times, and I never really caught that she makes a deal without any authorization. Mm. Uh, that she, like, offers this deal, and there's, like, no backing. There's no nothing. Well, and Crawford. No, it's... Crawford Center yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it. yeah. Oh, but the the governor had not no knowledge. No, but it, uh, but it, that's the FBI. That's Crawford telling her to do that. But which is did, they, weird uh, did they actually have a deal, or did he just say that? No, they didn't have a deal. So what's I'm just curious, like what's the storytelling purpose of that? Because this movie is really tight. I don't think they would just put that in. Like, what do you think they're trying to convey with like these layers of deceit? Yeah, I don't know. You mean the fact that just the. F- the fact that it had to be meta, we had to go back to Crawford, who's explained to a superior, or like, I, I rolled the dice, I, yeah, I had yeah, to. Yeah. Like, what's the point of putting yeah, that into, into that? a movie? Because yeah. it's like taking, I, yeah. It's no. part of the transition because they have a, the people working that case transitions, we're going to move into a different facility. There's going to be a different lawyer involved, a different, um, mm. instead of Crawford, there's that other FBI guy, the one who's the spokesperson beside the senator. It's just that, it's part of that whole transition of yeah. power, I think. I think talking to the, the, the senator, I think it's such a brilliant thing that they do with her having her like plea for her daughter's life. In one scene, you get all this exposition, but you also get emotionally tied to this girl that you don't know yet. So you're talking mm. about the scene where it shows the center talking on the on news? On the TV, yeah. It's like, it's a, they do the kind of like the, the, the tropish news thing, which is kind of lame, but I think they get through it fast enough to get to the mom's plea. And it works emotionally where you're like, okay, now I care about this random girl that I knew nothing about. Now I have all this information about the senator. Now I understand like a little bit of the dynamics of like how they're going to make this deal. And it's such a short scene. And I was like so impressed. I'm like, this is great. Like this serves so many purposes. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the girl. Um, again, a sweet transition in this movie is is the first time that we meet her. Um, it goes from, I think in Hannibal's cell, he's talking about, you know, Billy is about to strike again. And then that's when it oh, God. switches to inside of her car. Uh, it's like Buffalo Bill is already looking for the next special lady and then it just like quit it just cuts hard cut this jarring cut to her loud rock music she's in her van singing along and the song she's singing along to I, I don't know it seems like it's Bob Seger or something but the the lyric she sings is she was an American girl you're like okay she's the every girl yep. uh, we don't get a lot of time with her setup uh, what we know about her is that she is willing to help a person like because Buffalo Bill pretends to have a broken arm and he's like moving some furniture and that's how he catches her mm-hmm. and that's based on like uh, Ted Bundy I think yep. used to do something like yep. that yeah. yep it wasn't a broken arm though what was it maybe crutches or something he, he just had a cast on his arm I mean the actual dude like that is based on Ted not- Bundy oh, oh I don't know yeah. I can't remember. he was just so dilapidatingly handsome <laughs> anyways so we know that she's nice enough to do that but the other thing they do they do the whole save the cat thing where she gets out of her car and her cat is in the window of her apartment building like meow meow and she's like talking to it oh, I'll be right up there with the- she walks around <laughs> with the groceries then she gets kidnapped and when uh, the car drives away with her in the back of the car it actually ends the scene by cutting back to the cat and the cat oh. going meow like my mom's gone and so <laughs> Uh, we just oh. get that extra, like, how can we make this character, how can we make people care about this character yeah. or like this character with very little screen time? Mm. Well, animals like her. 
She uh, likes animals. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess so. And they I have mean, to really invest into her because later on she's going to threaten to kill a dog. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you need to double down on your investment in like likability. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, it didn't really occur to me to think about whether I should like her or not like her. You know, I They do that all the that time. She's just an innocent girl, you know? It's like in Gladiator at the beginning, there's like a part where um, the dude just like sees a robin or a bird land on a branch. And, right. and it's like, oh, he just made eye contact with this yeah. bird. Like, why? Right. It's just, oh, because you're supposed to like him. I think yeah. what he's I, tender. I think what I love most about that kidnapping scene, though, is how, like, believable it is. It's just like, oh, like, can you get in the van? Like, that. And he just, like, pushes her into the back. And, like, <laughs> you just don't, you see nothing. You just hear the whacking. And you're just like, yeah. I would do that. Like, I, if I was helping someone load a couch into a car, I would just, yeah, fine. Like, it's a little weird, but, like, I'd get in and do it. Yeah. But he uses these words that it's almost like a red flag to all of us. He actually says, can you get in the truck? Like, can, yeah. you, yeah, yeah. can you get yeah. in the car? Yeah. And everyone's just like, no, no, no don't. stranger danger. <laughs> yeah. Never do that. So she kind of has to, like, atone for that sin, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would definitely get in the in the van, yeah. I mean, at night, it would probably be a little, little yeah. more hesitant. Yeah, and, like, but. a weird dude... I don't know. <laughs> he does present pretty normal too. Like when Clarice first goes to his house, he like, does. He seems like whatever. Just a well, well, his voice is Maybe weird not though. There, but I order, thought your, he pre- order your size fourteen. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's like a, a scene in when he first when he, she first arrives and he's just like casual and like kind of. It's when he's starting to like pick up on the weirdness. Well, she's starting to pick up on the weirdness that it yeah. starts to be weirder. His voice, man, is so uh, weird. <laughs> in the I swear I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> is that guy in anything else? Oh, yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Okay, you look that up while okay, I'll we look talk it up. about um, <laughs> the clues that get dropped when Starling's at the door. Mm. Um, well, first of all, sick editing and filmmaking. Oh, and my little, God. little yeah. twist oh, when yeah. there's that buildup. You think they're storming the house and they finally come to the order, but it's a different door. Yeah. yeah. Great. And um, it's Clarice at his door. That's right. And when yeah. and what he says, she's like, what's your name? And he gives a fake name. But the fake name he gives is the same initials as his real name. Uh, so she already has probably picked up on that, right? Yeah. That scene was awesome. Just the, the difference between the noise and the chaos that was happening inside of the house mm. and then the silence of the FBI creeping up on this house. And you're like, oh, they're finally going to get him. And it's the wrong house. Yeah. And then Clarice goes to the actual house and you're like, uh-oh, and the what's going to happen? so high. Yeah. It's like a deafening silence at yeah. that point you know how like if the room is so so loud and then suddenly there's a silence yeah. everything seems like hyper loud the silence seems loud it's like that and then it, it serves to just like give you this baseline tension like immediately yeah. you're like zoned in because it was also loud before i'm super into that that scene and that buildup. i how do you guys feel about the moth landing on the spools I found that like a little too much. A little like, on the nose. A little on the nose. So that's the third clue. Because yeah. she gets the um, she gets the name like the yeah, initials, initials thing, and then after that, he's like, she's describing the girl she's looking for, and he, or the lady who used to live there, and then he goes, "Oh, is she a big fat lady? Is she a big old fat lady?" Yeah. So she knows like, okay, that's probably something he would say. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. I thought the that, fact that it's the third clue, and they're kind of escalating. Fair. That I, I get the fast. It, it definitely fair. like tells you straight up like well i mean obviously we know but i mean we get the feeling that if you were clarice you would know at this point definitely by the the time the the moth lands on the thing but like yeah like you say i think it had built up to that point so i thought it was fine she also needs a strong enough reason to pull her gun on him that's totally true. and then it starts the chase there's also yeah. a, a like a butterfly portrait on the wall beside yeah, it. Yeah. But i don't think she turns to look at it no there were two moments where i kind of felt like that where it was just a super obvious like 
audience clue in this is what's happening um it was the moth moment and then also when the pen was left beside hannibal lecter and you're like oh yeah. obviously he's gonna take the pen and they okay, do like but four he, doesn't, zooms. he doesn't take the pen though he takes just a little piece off the pen but this is what i'm so confused how the hell did he get the pen he's strapped in never known we do not know you don't know about his. That's a huge plot hole. Arm, like because arm. it's it spends so long zooming in on the pen, and we're like, okay, he's definitely gonna try and get the pen. But it's like, how does he get the pen? He's but strapped in the whole time. You can imagine, but like, they might have he's unstrapped Hannibal, him. He's mysterious. He's unstrapped at some point. Like during the transition, he grabs it and just like breaks off the tip. Or that kind of like whole ritual. That kind of breaks or th- that kind of brings up something that that bothers me a little bit about this movie, where they <laughs> they treat Hannibal like he's the freaking predator or something like like <laughs> or like an alien or something yeah, like yeah. he's got powers we don't understand but really it's like he's not trained in combat his only the only thing that makes him creepy is the fact that he eats people like why were these guards these guards like bust out like yeah but he can also make you kill yourself just by whispering to you all night yeah well that guy was already a psychopath he was unstable you know it's like fair enough but the the guards go in to take him his meal or whatever and he beats them by like i understand that he clips the first guy in but that still guy's still got his other arm he could grab him or whatever he just sits there and then he goes walks up to the other guy and bites his face like what? yeah the other guy didn't they didn't give up you give can't him stop somebody bite. from biting your face i don't know you got arms man you're trained i don't know this I, is just i want to go back little, to sarah's point for a second though oh, okay i know little known fact the more humans you eat the stronger you get yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Wait, get their strength can Especially i say one more younger. thing about that then because <laughs> Once he escapes and the cops are like, oh my gosh, what? He's, he's on level three. We got to go up there. And they go up there where they're wearing body armor. <laughs> like, I guess he might have a gun. But like, they're being, they're treating him like he's a freaking monster or something. He's just a guy. Yeah. He doesn't know how to fight. He it's, just knows how to bite you. It's kind of yeah, like but, the opening of Stranger Things. Like, you don't know. He's like an unstoppable monster from yeah, another dimension. Yeah. That, that bothered me. I'm but like, he's just so vicious and cruel, though. I guess so. But, like, you got six guys with guns and body armor. Like, what is he going to do? But he has he, a gun at that point. Whatever. He's going to outsmart you. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah. He's not like he's probably not even trained with a gun. I don't know. You don't know that. Anyway, Sarah, <laughs> you were talking about things that were kind of like too on the nose and take you out of it. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, this movie's not that old, but there's a couple things in this movie where I thought... That's a little cheesy, but this might have been the first movie to really do that. Uh, Okay, showing a pen, and that's going to be important. Obviously, this movie didn't invent that. That's like 40 (laughs) years before this movie, for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple of things where it's like, oh, trauma in childhood results in how you are today. Mm -hmm. That would have been like way more advanced in 92. You think Mm so? Yeah. I mean, psychiatry was a thing. (laughs) They invented it in the 80s. No, Sigmund Freud was like 97, 98. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems kind of like tropey today. And even still, it doesn't because it plays really well. Um, But the other thing, at least with the pen, they kind of double down on it where they do the second, like way tighter zoom on it. You're Mm. like, okay. It made me mad, honestly. (laughs) That's like the one time I was just like, why are you zooming into the pen so many times? Right at the beginning of the movie, they say to Clarice, you're not allowed to bring in any sharp objects, no pens, no pencils, soft paper, those kind of things. So you already know. But I think I I watch too many movies now where you're supposed to be observant of mm, yeah. s- the small things. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like right in your face. So you're like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> no, but I think for me, when they sh- did the shot at first, I'm like, okay, obviously. But then when they zoomed in even more, it was like it redeemed it. Huh. I was like, okay, right. now, now you're off the hook. Okay. That's interesting. It's like the Family Guy knee joke. It's like it's not. It's funny, and then it's not funny, and then if you keep going, it's <laughs> yeah, funny again. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm kind of in the middle, I guess. It didn't really 
bother me per se. I I think that's maybe because I I was like, is this an artifact of the times? Like, yeah. is yeah. this something that was that wasn't like a huge thing people were doing where they were like, pay attention to this because it'll come around later. I think the the key thing it does to subvert it though is that he doesn't use the pen. Is he actually has broken off a piece of the pen and uses that? Right. But I think that's the way that it subverts that trope mm. slightly. Okay, I want to talk about themes. Big theme yes. of the movie. Would you guys argue with me if I said that it's identity? I would agree with you. I think it is identity. Identity and transformation right, are the two big themes yeah. from what I've noticed. Obviously the butterfly, but I think that like the the obvious thing to to say is that okay, the killer James Gum, you know, wants to transform himself into a woman or or he thinks he does anyways. I think it's it's really interesting how they they bring up that he's not a real transsexual like he thinks and I'm saying transsexual because that's what they say in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, he thinks that's what he is, so that's what he's pursuing. But obviously, the theme is there because he's trying to change. But I think that um, uh, I almost called her Starling. Foster. Starling. Yeah, Clarice is also trying to to change uh, to get away from this this screaming of the lambs trauma that she has. She's trying to change her identity from being this weak woman that the entire world sees. She's not weak, but like that's how she's perceived, and she wants to change her identity to be this like competent agent. You know, um, I'm, I, it, it breaks down a little bit for me when I try to bring Hannibal Lecter into it. He wears a face. <laughs> changes, <laughs> changes his identity. Changes his identity. Yeah, I don't. I can't really think of like what he would, what he's trying to change from. But but I think in like that series not. of books, he's always kind of like he's the iconic character that doesn't really change. He's just mm-hmm. Hannibal, and everything's happening around him. Right. So I'd say that's probably true in this movie too. He's like, a force of nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just it helps present the contrast of somebody who is already in their final form, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then the people around him who just really aren't sure. Right. He serves as a guide to her. Right. Because she's trying to, she doesn't want to be a person who's acted upon. Right, mm. she wants to be like a fully realized agent, and she, she's the type of uh, hero who sees herself in the person she's saving. She's right. saving a woman who was acted upon, mm-hmm. and she wants to to save her and and not be, uh, you know, the the fact that when she was a kid she didn't have much control and she couldn't save this lamb. Right, so oh. she's trying to save this girl who is the lamb, and when she goes to save her in that basement, um, that that lady, her name is Catherine, she's screaming at her. Right, like right. the lamb screaming at her, and, yeah, and Clarice yeah. has to say, "Has to say, shut up! Like, yeah, stop yeah. screaming! I'm going to save you! I'm going to come back for you." Yeah, uh, that scene kind of annoys me though. When she's like, "FBI, you're safe! You're safe!" Yeah, and it's like, uh, she you wants. Don't know. Well, I and think, like, I think it works because I think she's trying to control, and like, as part of this bigger theme, she's like, she's trying to silence the lamb. Like, she's trying to <laughs> <laughs> like tell her to shut up. I hadn't but, thought about that. That's but funny. She's also again in the basement, right? Yeah, she's yeah. again in the depths of the psyche. Yeah. down in, in, in the hero's journey whole thing there's the thing about going into the cave it mm-hmm. happens a lot uh what is it called like, approach to the inmost cave mm. it happens it happens in the climax that's where you go in and you you need to apply all the learnings you've you've acquired <laughs> you have to apply everything you've learned through the movie so far to to win and that's what she's doing in this scene in a literal sanctum man <laughs> there's a lot of like good visceral shit in this movie like little details like when they're doing the autopsy, when they put the little vix under their nose, there's something about that that I'm like, my brain is like, yes. Now I, you can smell the I room. I can smell the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with like uh, when the 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 cop thinks that his buddy's dying, and he but he's still breathing, and like he's like, oh, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna it's gonna be okay. Like the way he leans in, it's so visceral to me. I'm like, oh man. 
fuck. Yeah. Oh, there's a cool um, story element there, too, because that's like a little mini twist, right? Where you don't know that that's not a dead cop. That's Hannibal laying yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. Wearing the face. And the movie needs to convince you. Because you can, like, on a rewatch, you can tell that it's, like, pretty obviously yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, but that's what I was so confused about. I was so confused until he sat up in the ambulance and peeled off the face. <laughs> I was like, that's, I can, it, it's Anthony Hopkins. Like, I can see his face. Like, it, it, it. Oh, it, it didn't bother but, me this time. Oh, really? Yeah. But can you tell? I wasn't I, paying attention to that. I was, like, trying, I think my eyes were busy. But here's what the I movie can, does okay. to, to totally screw you is there's this whole, um, there's a guy, the cop on the radio who's like trying to get back up and then there's like the rookie cop who's comforting this this yeah. downed colleague right and the guy on the radio is is like talk to him talk to him so he doesn't die keep, like keep him going and he just he literally yells to buddy and to the whole audience the words it's Ch- it's Jim Pembry it's Jim Pembry yeah, yeah, if yeah. you had any doubt in your mind the character lying on the floor is Jim Pembry right, yeah. so right. he just brainwashes everybody watching yeah. so we don't suspect that it's actually Hannibal totally. well and even just like the way that he, he panics when he gets the, uh, the or like not panics but like f- kind of has the jerk when he gets the mask on right. and you're like oh that guy's like really struggling like, will he live will he not oh yeah he, what he does is like they put the auction mask on him and he starts the convulsing shaking yeah. so everyone's like oh my god we need to get him out out of this building and into yeah. a car <laughs> right. right away. Right, right, yes, right. you do. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, oh, that's then, so interesting. <laughs> yeah, peels oh, it up. That's a good moment. Yeah, and they have an awesome build up to that too, where they do this um, again, like a double build up. They're all in the elevator, yeah, and they notice the blood dripping oh, above. Man. So then they they do a branch there where you're. Hannibal's moving. Well, we don't know it's Hannibal, but he's moving to the ambulance. Everybody's in the elevator. All the mo- the action's intense there. And then it switches. Like, now the things that you thought were mundane in the ambulance, now they really matter. And that's yeah. where the danger is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love, too, because, like, there was only two cops, and this is the third body. And it's like, oh, what's what's that other body that we saw before? And that's oh, yeah. kind of like, it's a clue that Hannibal is missing because there's, like, there's more... Or there's less bodies than there should be. More yeah. bodies than there should be. Yeah, who who did they think that body was? Oh, no, there's was? not. The, the, there's they two thought- cops in Hannibal for three, right? The first cop is hung up like a Christ angel or whatever. We yep. see him. The, the first body is what we think is Jim Pembry, but yep. it's actually Hannibal. Yep. The third body is dressed as Hannibal. Yeah, so exactly. But saying, yeah, yeah, but when it's they like, identify, when yeah, they see yeah, his yeah, face, yeah. and it's not Hannibal, then although yeah. that that character's face would be cut off because yep. that's yeah, actually Jim Pembry. Yeah. But I guess they don't get to Jim the Pember. guy. They don't get to the body on top of the elevator until uh, the other ambulance is left. It's right, on the road. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah you, that's you. You kind of find out that the person on top of the elevator is not Hannibal. And then you see the girl run to the phone to like call them. And by that time, it cuts oh. to Hannibal in the ambulance gotcha. taking the face Good. off. Okay, yeah, it. that makes more sense now. Crazy buildup. And the panic, too, that you feel during that those moments is just like, where's Hannibal? Yeah. They found Hannibal. They didn't find Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal's it's alive. It's such a weird sense of relief in a weird way because the, the movie's really tied you to Hannibal. Yeah. So you're kind of cheering for him. You're like, good job, dude. You got out. Like you're not uh, like these police officers. They're in danger. Oh no! Like these unna- like unnamed characters. I don't give a fuck about. I don't know. You're if like, you're... oh shit, Hannibal, man. Yeah. Oh damn. I dude. think the things he does are so grotesque that you're like, oh. Like, I think I get what you're <laughs> saying. Where like you're you're sort of cheering for him, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's cheering. It feels like a monster movie all of a sudden. Like yeah. it, like in a monster movie. You can make the argument in a lot of them that the monster is kind of the main character, right? And the people are just there to get picked off yeah. and they're they're just fodder, you know? So I feel like that's kind of the feeling I get where I'm like, now I'm more interested in what Hannibal does and how he 
you know, enacts these horrible things that he's going to do and how he escapes. I'm not necessarily cheering for him, though, you know? Like, I get what you're yeah. saying, though. Yeah. It's sort of like that. Um, gotta say, though, shooting him in the leg, shooting a body in the leg, is that standard procedure? He's not moving. Put your hands up. He didn't respond. One in the leg. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that seemed fine that to me. That can't be yeah. standard. I, I don't know. <laughs> I love the moment earlier in the scene, though, when he's killed the guy with the billy club, uh, and he's got to go after the other guy. And he kind of like, it's this, this top-down shot, and he's there for a long time. Like, this shot's a long shot. He's like looking at the billy club, and then he casually goes down and picks up the tiny little knife and like unfolds it. And you're like, and then he walks away, and you're like, he's going to kill this other guy with this tiny little yeah, knife. And you're yeah. like, it tells you so much about how he is. Because like, it'd be so much more efficient to kill with the billy club, just knock him out. But it's like, no, he's going to savor this moment. He's going to do something with that. As he's going to cut a little taste. The you know, music during that scene, I was kind of like, it makes sense because it's this beautiful classical music mm. to show you, kind of put you in Hannibal's brain where he's at. And then, of course, we have a dead body strung up and then another dead body uh, in the elevator as Hannibal leaves. And you're just like, hmm. So is that the same music as the scene that David's describing? Hannibal takes a breather after killing these guys and he enjoys some classical music yeah. that's playing on a tape. Yeah. Does that just persist through that whole elevator thing? Is that what you're saying? I think huh. so, yeah. Yeah, that well, that, that's just like brings him into his mind. This is his art. And it brings know? us back to what we heard earlier when Chilton is telling Starling that he maimed this nurse and his heart rate never got above 85. <laughs> when he is in that prison cell beating the shit out of this guard and the camera's on his face, his unflinching, calm, breathing through his nose kind of face. Yeah, like he's, yeah. he's a total psychopath through and through. I think he's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> no emotion, like no empathy at all, right? What's uh we we've kind of briefly touched on it, but what do you guys think of the representation of right. like trans people? Here we go. And yeah, because I mean like Dem or is it Demi or Dem? Jonathan Demi. Yeah, it's a Demi. Demi. Demisexuals. <laughs> he said that uh, the character is actually not trans. He's just so disgusted with himself that right. he wants to get as far away from. Well, that's what all Hannibal that he says. Is. Yeah. Is that's that what Hannibal, Hannibal says? Yeah. I think that's what Demi also said in an interview after about like. That's how he perceives it. It's not a trans character. It's yeah. something else. I mean, in my limited uh, and totally ignorant view, I think the movie is kind of insulated from being accused of being transphobic because of that little out they give themselves. Right. Uh, other, other than the la the like now dated language that's used. Yeah. Yeah. They say transsexuals instead of like transgender. But um, yeah, I think I agree. Like, I think that there is criticism that the you know it's a story where the the villains. Well, I guess there's two villains, but one of the villains' main uh, like pathology is centered around their uh, transness or you know fake transness or whatever. And so I think that's a valid criticism to to bring up, where it's like we don't really need these type of stories in society. We don't need to demonize you know transgender people. But at the same time, I think this was made in a different time, and I think that it the idea of identity transformation goes so well with the themes. That and it and it's executed so well um, that I, you know, obviously, if people are offended, then you know you get offended, and uh, I'm I you you have every right to be offended. But I think that if we can kind of progress past that and sort of think about it in terms of like just a straight story and like evaluate the themes, I think it's brilliant. I think it's uh, it uh, it made me think a lot. Yeah, and I do think, and I do appreciate that they do have this conversation where where they say, even in 1991, you know, like sex change surgery is a is a thing. People are are 
like trying to enact their real identities. And he was, they say he was rejected from getting the surgery because he's not a real transsexual, you know? Like they identified his pathology as being this thing that arose from tra uh, trauma in childhood. And the book delves a lot more into that. They say that he, you know, he was abused by his mother and father and he kind of like wants to become his mother. Here he thinks he does. Yeah. So that's where they go. And they, and um, Clarice Starling also has a, a, a specific line where she says, he's like, he's a transsexual. And she's like, there's no correlation in the literature between transsexualism and violence. Transsexual is very passive. And so this mm -hmm. is what she's, I thought that that was like, Okay, we're going to make this story, we're going to adapt this book, but just so you, you guys know, this is what we're saying. Yeah. One thing I wonder, though, is if Buffalo Bill's pathology is a thing. Like, the way mm -hmm. that he acts and, and the, like, the rationale given for where he's at, it's like, is that even a thing? Is that realistic that anyone would do that? Or did they just kind of work backwards from having, they wanted to create a character who makes a dress out of skin and they just like reverse engineered that? I think that's probably yeah. a, a very valid criticism where they're like, we're going to make up this this pathology but i mean i don't know there's all sorts of crazy although actually no there was uh ed ed gein yeah, yeah. um i was actually gonna Take say it away. <laughs> <laughs> story-wise i think it makes sense for our serial killer to kill young women mm -hmm. just because you feel more sympathy for them and the character is based off of a real life serial killer called ed gein who primarily killed women right um so the way that they had incorporated that into a story where the villain skins his prey and then they use that as a reason for him to not necessarily want to change his identity, but it's his way of, or it's it's the writer's way of transforming that story into this particular story. Right, like adapting it to yeah. like take, okay. We want we want to take these creepy elements from Ted Bundy who lured people this way and Ed Gein who made a literal belt out of nipples and just make them into okay. something that dovetails with this other like protagonist arc where you know, exactly yes that's mm. exactly what I'm going for yeah I I think that it 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 works as a kind of mirroring of the Clarice's and uh, Buffalo Bill's arc where Buffalo Bill is trying to uh, become a woman and become the image of beauty. In, a, in the in the way you're not supposed to do it, and Clarice is trying to become, you know, a stereotypical image of like, um, not entirely, but she's trying to become more of like a man in the sense that she is competent and powerful, and she gets the respect oh. that she wants within this patriarchal system. You know, I just thought of something. It's like Buffalo Bill is trying to change himself to fit into the world, but Clarice is trying to change the world to accept her. Oh, wow. gee, sort of. Well, I think the yes, end of her arc, the ultimate like closing of the book, the bow on the gift is that when Crawford holds out his hand and she gets to shake his hand at the end. Right. Yeah. But I don't think that's her changing the world so much as her also. I think that could also be seen as her changing herself to fit into this patriarchal world. Yeah, she did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Now yeah, you could be yeah. one of us. Exactly. Um, I guess another thing, too, is Clarice can then relate to the victims, just adding on to what I was saying previously. Because you see her walking through um, Catherine's house. I think it was Catherine or the other girl that was killed. And she's her up in her like bedroom. Frederica or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, walking through her bedroom and looking at the pictures of her with her dad and then her with her mom. And you just know that Clarice is kind of feeling similarly mm. related, related, right. relating to that. I'm trying to think of like ways that Hannibal fits into the identity theme, and I think that um, it might just be—he might just be there as sort of a unfixed or a fixed, unchanging sort of like point to 
compare with these other characters who are actively trying to change their identity. Like he is a cannibalistic murderer, psychopath, and despite the fact that he is, you know, this sophisticated, intelligent, professional person, he can't change that core aspect of his identity and he doesn't even really want to. So I feel like that could kind of tie into it. Hmm. Yeah. But he does accept her. He does accept her, but that's not a changing of his identity, right? It's almost like validating her new identity that she's wanting to, where she's like, I'm competent, look at me. I, I'm going to be a good agent. I'm going to do the things that will make me feel better about my trauma. Yeah. What, um, speaking of their relationship again, one of the coolest moments where Clarice, like again, like rises to his level is when they're doing the, like, the full-on quid pro quo. So they have the quid pro quo where what Clarice wants to know is how do I catch Buffalo Bill? Right. And he wants to know all about her past. And so he starts teasing Clary, saying, like, you're very close to the way you're going to catch him. Like, you're already <laughs> there, right there. And she's like, how? How do I catch him? And that's right when he's like, quit pair crow. <laughs> he's he's so like, close. like, why did you leave? Like, like right. why did you uh, tell me about the lambs? Right. Mm -hmm. So he leaves her hanging at the most, like the highest tension. Right. So she, but then she starts to describe the story of why she ran away and then right before revealing the most critical part of her story, she says quid pro quo, and he's like, fuck. And yeah, then yeah, she yeah. leaves him hanging. No, it's a really, yeah, these, <laughs> those scenes where they're like quid pro quoing each other are, are, are lovely because they, 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 may, they feel like fencing matches. They really feel like there's a conflict and they're kind of like both making progress and they're in their respective goals towards each other and like getting hits and get, going defensive. It's, it's great. What do you think of the scene where, uh, okay, the most iconic scene ever, when he's strapped to that doll and he's got that like cage in front of his face yeah, and yeah. they wheel him out in front of the uh, the senator. And mm -hmm. at first he's like helpful and it's all amicable. And then he starts saying, comparing like, did you breastfeed? Did you? Yeah. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, when you have a phantom limb, you, uh, someone with a severed limb can still feel it. Yeah. When, when Buffalo Bill kills your daughter, where will it tickle yeah. you? She's like, get this animal yeah. out of my face. I bet your nipples are real hard from all that breast milking. Uh, like, like why, uh, did, why do you think he did that? <laughs> Just for a power play? Uh, Maybe to get a rise out of her. Yeah, I think, I think that I feel like one of the things that the movie shows is that he craves is this like, is like personal details and like, diving into people's psyche and like disturbing them at a base level. I mean, he was a psychiatrist. It's almost, it's a, it's a brilliant characterization for him because he unsettles us so much because he's able to dive into like our psychological weaknesses. And so, um, yeah, I think he like feeds off it. And then when he, when someone can attack you at that level, if they then praise you, I think that's where you get like a weird, uh, like dependency. You know, mm -hmm. so after he does that to her, he says, oh, by the way, love your suit. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, like, it's just like a creepy, crazy, awesome line. But yeah, I, but I think that goes back to the same kind of treatment that he would do to Starling, too. It's like, I can I can completely manipulate you. I can I can crack you wide open and go to like the deepest core that just like scares the shit out of you. Yeah. And like, don't even let people near me because I can just like drive them mad just yeah. with thoughts. Uh, but then if I if I signal that I'm your friend. Well, then now, like, you just, I, you're in the palm of my hand. The movie does such a good job of, like, balancing him being, like, a reasonable, intelligent person to have a conversation with and being this psycho animal who is, like, you do not want to get anywhere close to you unrestrained, you know? They, they, they balance these two identities 
so perfectly. He can be talk. You can be having a conversation with him, and he's a little creepy, you know, when they're talking about the case details or whatever. But when he's talking about the case details, and he just kind of goes into psychiatrist mode, he's like, "Oh, his pathology is this, and blah blah blah. What what do we covet, Clarice? Like it it begins. This is where it begins. What do we all covet?" And um, you know, he's just having a regular conversation, and then the next moment, he's just kind of like. Your nipples are going to hurt, aren't you? Ooh, that gets me going. <laughs> it's like you really want him to be your professor, but not your TA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, teach from Fair a distance. Yeah. You yeah. can click the PowerPoint uh, presentation, but don't get close. And he has this creepy skills. He has like supernatural skills where when she first walks up, he's like, <laughs> and he's like smelling like you're wearing, you wear this perfume, but not today. Yeah. What the hell? And I think that. And it's has, interesting. What? Go ahead. Oh, he has invisibility too. Because <laughs> uh, there's that second time she goes up to his thing, it's black, and she looks through the whole thing and can't see him. It's that that moment's too hokey yeah, it's for a me. Because yeah. it's just like a quick jerking around, and you're like, he's like standing in the corner, just like take one more second, <laughs> take a breath. And it's kind of funny <laughs> because, right because it shows that she can see him before the lights go on. Like, it, yeah. th- that scene starts and she like where the implication is that she can't see him, but then. The scene continues and the lights are out, and then by the end she can see him. His and legs the lights are go on. Out. Yeah, yeah. she's like, "Oh, there he is!" Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, he's there yeah. the whole time. Yeah, he so said that silly. he um, based the role off of Hal Nine Thousand from Two Thousand One: Space Odyssey. Really? Yeah, huh. his delivery because he wanted to be like an emotionless killing machine. That's really cool. And you can see it in his delivery, especially yeah. uh, when he says, um, "He's like, what did Mig say to you?" And Starling says, "Mig said." I can smell your cunt. And then it goes back to uh, Hannibal and he says, I myself cannot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He definitely is. He definitely has that feeling of this sort of like inhuman detachment for sure. That's really cool to, to know. It's cool. At one point, uh, she's talking to Hannibal and um, he's trying to deflate her ego um, and she says, that sounds like something Migs would say. Oh, and that yeah. was the perfect like snapback because he sees Migs as an animal mm. and that makes him feel like an animal. I was searching for that quote earlier when trying to demonstrate <laughs> like why when she like gives the back and forth yeah. to him. That's all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes him feel more human and less monster. Yeah. 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 It brings us closer to him. I like the dynamic between Crawford, Hannibal and Starling in terms of why do they send you here? Because because right away Hannibal picks up on like, oh, that badge expires in a week. Like you're not real FBI. <laughs> Why do they send you in here? Just like because uh, you're a girl and they want to like trick me somehow. Yeah. And then she feels like belittled because she's like, why don't you just recognize my competence? Yeah. I'm here because I'm the right person to be here. Everyone is it's, just like just talking about her being an attractive woman and that's it. But then later on she learns from Crawford that like, yeah, you did send me in here for a purpose other than like you didn't tell me the full story. Right. And then she, so she actually feels self-conscious about that because she thought that Crawford's like her ally. Yeah. And then that's also underlined in the scene where uh, they're at the funeral and he says, oh, this, you know, we got to talk about the details and the case details and it might like unsettle some people or whatever. And they go into the other room and leaves her there. Oh, yeah. The implication being that, you know, this is too, this is too crazy to talk about in front of women. And so then she is hurt by that and she brings it up in the car or he asks her in the car back. He's like, Hey, you weren't uh, that bothered you, didn't it? And he, because he's he, like, yeah, that, it did. Well, he's saying like, I just did that. To bl- I'm blowing smoke. I did yeah. that to manipulate him, similar to what she did to Chilton when she, yeah. right? But she says it matters, it matters. because the other cops look yeah. up to you. How to right. act? Yeah, I, I found that scene was really well done and nuanced oh, yeah. because like he he's using her femininity. He's weaponizing her femininity mm. to get what he wants from this guy. Right. And like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and th- man, uh, that it's so suffocating. 
that scene. Yeah. Just like from her perspective, looking around at just this room full of like angry taller local cops. Not even angry. They're just like lame. They're just like yeah. basic ass yeah. men. Basic bitch um, cops. <laughs> another scene kind of like that too is when they believe they have the address to where Buffalo Bill is and they're flying. Uh, and he's on the phone with Clarice mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, we have a lead. We know where he is. And she's like, okay, I, I can make it there. And he's like, no, we don't need you, but I'll remember, like, you're the reason that we got this. Right, And right. she's like, okay. <laughs> Thanks a because lot. Because you, you just know, assumingly, that they're going to completely cut her out of the picture right. in whatever the news and whatnot. But then you feel fulfilled afterwards because she's the real reason that they found Buffalo right, Bill right. and she was there before that. I was confused. Were. How did they get his name? How did they get James Gum? Like he, he explains it on the plane. It, but it like, had to do with the fact that he would have applied at three different oh, ho- surgery hospitals, right. and which they, is a clue that she got, anyways. That's right. Yeah. Do you guys notice uh, after Clarice shoots Buffalo Bill in the window, like it shows like the window bursting? Mm-hmm. There's an American flag leaning on like a blue hat, mm. and it's like this. I I, I interpret it as this really weird pro police image. Oh, I thought it was an army hat. Wasn't it? I think it's an army blue. helmet. It's like blue. Was it? Yeah. Or was that just like the the daylight? Because I thought it had like the camo, the the net covering, like a World War II helmet. Let's find out. I don't know, but I did notice a lot of swastika, swastikas in his. Yo. There's yeah. a quick camera pan over his quilt, like on a bed that has two swastikas on yeah. it. And there's some like uh, Nazi propaganda posters yeah. around his. And house he also too. has American flags in there, though. So I this I I saw somebody I watched some video essays and like one of them was talking about how much detail there is in the background of these scenes. And there is a lot of like subtle um, anti-American imperialism uh, stuff like that, where it's like a mixing of the American flag and, and a swastika. I wonder if that comes from the book. Maybe. Ah. There's always yeah. more in the book, right? And I found that um, this is, especially in the exchange, the climactic exchange between Hannibal and Starling, where they're talking about the Silence of the Lambs story, it's so much more literary than most screenplays. Mm. And I know that the screenplay does closely follow the book. Like they have text that's directly lifted, right. unadulterated um, dialogue. Do you feel like it it is a, a detriment where no. it doesn't feel like something a real person would say? No, because it fits the character because it's something that he would say because mm. he's a well-read person. Oh, you're saying he's that. Okay. I thought you meant like when she's telling the story of, uh, you know, seeing the lambs and grabbing one and running and stuff. Because I, I was like, that. yeah, that might seem literary, but I, it didn't seem to me like it was... Um, something somebody wouldn't say. It seemed natural. Yeah. It just, yeah. just, you know how he talks like with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You seem like a rube. You're like, what the hell's a rube? <laughs> yeah, what is a rube? I, I put, still don't know. I still don't know what a rube is. <laughs> we got we to we find out. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm going to tell you uh, like three or four little male gaze like feminist things that they use like imagery in this movie. A country bumpkin. Ah. Oh. Continue. The first shot, the literal first shot of the movie is Clarice running uphill. <laughs> and then uh, on behalf of women everywhere she's in the in the woods right and then she starts to get run closer to the institution the buildings and stuff and then there's like crowds of men running by her and they all like they all look at her yeah uh, uh again when she's at the uh yourself storage yeah and then she goes to open the door and at first like they're having a hard time opening the door so the guy's like my son will come tomorrow yeah, yeah. The, like uh, the the first glimpse of adversity here like oh this is a little it's not easy to open this door well wait for my son tomorrow. yeah let's just yeah. postpone like, the whole thing <laughs> she's like no it goes to her car gets a jack like yeah. works around it and he has a driver in the car who's just like nope yeah exactly. <laughs> i thought that driver was gonna be important in some way 
Because he's like, oh, my driver would help, but he's blah, blah, blah. And he had like a specific reason not to help. I'm like, that's well, weird The specific reason was that he doesn't like to move. <laughs> my driver doesn't like labor. Yeah, but like that, I thought that was a weird bit of characterization to include in the movie if it's not going to come back later. Like, Could be in the book. And there was like a creepy shot of his driver. Maybe it was just kind of like to throw you off. I don't know. Well, I think it could just be a more male gaze stuff. Maybe. You know, just like there's just yeah. more dudes there. She's just kind of always alone. And she's small. Yeah. yeah like Jodie Foster's like 5'3 or Indeed. something. She's Indeed. tiny. Are you going to go back to the elevator? No. Oh, just the uh, when she go- enters the FBI Academy f- back from her run. Oh, yeah. She's walking through the hallways and then she gets in an elevator and th- she's completely surrounded by tall guys in red shirts and she's like the only one there. It was like such an image like from that. That's the that's the point of the movie where I'm like, okay, she's a woman in a man's world. <laughs> it's gotcha. very clear. There's a, <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's, there's like a dozens. There's dozens. My uh, my one nitpick about that kind of stuff though is one of the, like part of the montage of the like she's she's kind of distracted like a little bit later in the movie as she's doing her tactical training. She busts in a room and doesn't clear her corner and she gets whatever fake shot and the guy's like you didn't clear your corners clarice and she's like i know i know yeah and then later <laughs> i know i know she's i an know old black man. um at the end when she's facing down buffalo bill yeah she doesn't clear her corners no that's kind of weird hey come well, on clear no, but your corners girl but that's funny because i okay i noticed that too but like <laughs> i thought that she was obsessively clearing her corners like because he escapes down the the stairway yeah and then she's going down and she's like Checking every freaking corner there is. Yeah, yeah but a there's a bit. spot where she opens up the door and to her room. Walks, it's it's the yeah. bedroom with the the dress, the skin yeah. dress, yeah. and she's like ah, and then she just walks away from that room. Oh, she's yeah. at all. She <laughs> just turns her back on. It. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was like the opposite. Where I think we're thinking too much about this line of checking yeah. your corners, but yeah. like because they had had that scene, and now she's like in a situation where you better check all your corners. Like I was like, is 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 the movie trying to show her? clearly checking all her corners as a well, yeah. co- kind of progression. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it's it's funny. Most action movies would do that. Uh, but here's more in what line we were talking about a second ago. Um, Clarice leaves the first interaction with Hannibal. Like I think she exposed herself a little more than she wants. Right. And she's like kind of in the parking lot and she does have like a single, like tear yeah. stains on her she's face. She's crying on her car. She yeah. like stops. Well, and... before she gets to the car, like you can see that. Oh, but sure. I think she's crying because a guy just fucking sexually yeah. assaulted her. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. She's yeah. broken down. It was yeah. a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It was, yeah. a, yeah. it was <laughs> a lot. Another great transition though, is she lightly. sees the camera points at her shabby car. Mm. And this is a, is a transition into a flashback to her childhood right. because she is now self-conscious about her meager, humble upbringings mm. because even though Hannibal didn't know at this point where she's from or what her her dad was a cop, she, he doesn't know that. He just says, was your daddy a coal miner? Like, yeah. He knows the kind of town she's from right. and just the sight of her own car, he's like, oh, he's right. Mm. The kind of thing when someone breaks you down and kind of yeah. cuts deep and you, know, you think that totally. they're right and you doubt yourself, that's just an awesome transition. But I love that from there they go to this like montage of her like training and looking things up and like being the very next again. shot yeah. is her at the shooting range right right and, yeah, and so, like, I love that. it goes from yeah, exactly. me like damn it this is what i fear that i am to this is what i want to be no yeah. i love it i love it because it's not like she wallows in her feelings or whatever you know she like is like Okay, I'm gonna take a second. I'm gonna collect myself. Back to business. Let's go. Let's go. Well, shoot in, some in, stuff. in that part of the movie, the hero should oscillate between right. their essential right. self right. and and like their crappy state that they're trying to leave. Right, and mm. that's Love exactly it. what happens. She's my hero. <laughs> She's the Lisa Simpson, all grown up. <laughs> yeah, that's actually. <laughs> I see that. That's what my girlfriend said. I she's can't like, argue. She's like, she, yeah, 
She said that. She's like, oh, like she's, Le- she's, she's Lisa Simpson. Southern Lisa Simpson. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you guys badass. think? She's what? A badass. <laughs> exactly. Um, I thought it was kind of cool of uh, to see this dynamic of like vulnerable protege and predatory mentor. Like I think that that is a kind of archetype pairing that has happened in 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 stories before, but I can't think of like a ton of examples of it. Well, it's interesting because there's kind of two. Like there's obviously Hannibal and Clarice, but there's also her like her mentor at the FBI, right? Who is kind of predatory and like. He kind of has a little bit of those like sexual predator vibes. You think? Or, yeah, for I sure. thought they presented oh. him as like straight ahead. Like yeah, he's like the only dude who's not. There's no subtext. He's just like professional. Maybe what was, do you think? No, yeah. I totally agree okay. with James. I I don't think he seemed predatory at all. Um, the other guy at the Chilton. at the ward definitely did. Yeah, yeah Chilton yeah. absolutely. But he yeah he seemed like he was cheering her on. Yeah, the whole I, time. I didn't I didn't get the sexual thing until uh, Hannibal brings it up where he's like. You do you want to have sex with him? Like do you? Want, yeah. Like, he asks her outright if like there's sexual tension there, and she's like, no, 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 no. But then at that point, I think that the movie is introducing this. First of all, it's just Hannibal trying to get under her skin, right? So it doesn't necessarily reflect anything real. Yeah. But then you're thinking about it, and I think in some subsequent scenes with Crawford, I was kind of like, oh, does he? Yeah. But I don't really feel like the movie well, tells you. And that. I think the predatory kind of feeling, I guess, goes deeper because like when he's calling her on the plane, and he's like. Sorry, like we're cutting you out, but like I'll remember. It to me doesn't read as like, don't worry, like I'll have you covered. It reads more like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. Like, sorry, we're cutting you out. You're fine. Don't worry about it. I think it. Hannibal kind of focuses a lot on um, the societal impression of a thing. A lot of the time, it's not even what's true or false. It's what are other people thinking. There's a couple right. instances of that. Uh, one of them is being like, people will say we're in love because she comes to visit. Yeah. Him, right? Oh yeah. They'll say we're in love. Shit like that. Yeah, huh. and I think that so much of like, um, so much, so many psychological ideas are based around, uh, you know, what society says about something. Like we have these like archetypes, and we have these like pathologies that are based around uh, certain identities and uh, gender roles and all sorts of things. And that's all come that all comes from society, right? And it informs our psychology. So I think that's a really interesting detail that he's a psychiatrist and he's bringing up these things about how it's perceived and how society like. Well, it, he's not talking about... Well, anyway, you get the idea. Um, <laughs> but I thought, like, I was trying to think of, like... Because one of the things I'm watch, I'm thinking while watching this movie is how original is it? And I couldn't think of other... I can't think of off the top of my head other stories with, like, where where a the, the hero has to have a mentor who is explicitly predatory. Like, who who they have to learn from and they're going on this journey together. They're learning, they're learning from each other, getting to know each other more. But... If he was released, the mentor would like eat the the protege, you know. Uh, think- ba- Batman Begins. Yeah. Who? What? Ducard. Like you're, I'm your protege, but, th- but then I defeat you. Yeah. Uh, like- At the end, it's kind of revealed that he yeah. that he is. The That's bad a guy. reveal. But I thought like it's such a. Okay, so I'm coming to I'm coming to the conclusion. Then it's a really unique setup. Where I feel like there's other ones, maybe like in a not Wolf of Wall Street, but that type of like a yeah, Wall Street no, movie. Wall Street, literally, yeah. the mentor is evil. But like, is he evil in the way that the protege wants to learn stuff, and the mentor is like teaching them stuff, but at the same time, the mentor wants to destroy them? Fight Club. No. Yeah, Tyler Durden wants to like he doesn't be want in to, control, but he doesn't want to destroy the the hero. Devil wears Prada. So I don't know. Actually, that's not bad. That's not a bad. 
Although I think in the Devil Wears Prada, her her dream is for uh, what's her name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway to is, like become her. It's never going to be the same as what you're outlining because they have a formal. Their relationship is formalized and taken to the extreme because of the prison aspect. Because he cannot destroy you because there's a wall in front of him. Then he's allowed to be way more predatory than any other character right. that could be. I think I'm thinking of like maybe like a fantasy story where. You know, it's like it's like Lord of the Rings, but the hero Frodo has to go and like learn instead instead of learning all his lessons from Gandalf, he learns it from Smog. (laughs) You know, like I I think that would be instead of Obi Wan and Darth Vader, that would be like a cool setup because I love this. I love this idea that they are enemies. Like he is dangerous. He's not someone anyone wants to associate ever. You don't want to let him into her head. But she goes, and one of the first things she does is let him into her head because she has this something to prove. She's like, I am strong. I can take it. I can do this thing that other people cannot do and survive. It's just such mm. a cool idea. I want to see it in more stories. Well, that's why they made more movies. They're just not as good. Yeah. Is Clarice in the other ones? Yeah. I, I haven't. I don't think I've seen any of them. Me I've only seen I have no movie. desire. Yeah, me neither. This really? movie's yeah. I, I find this movie incredible, but it's hard to watch. I don't like enjoy a lot of it. Like I don't like, enjoy watching photos of dead bodies. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> Hannibal the sequel. You don't. That's weird. As a teenager, <laughs> and I don't remember a lot of the plot, but I remember some imagery that's like. There's some messed up yeah. stuff in that one. Same with Mindhunter. Like I, I think Mindhunter is a, a great show, uh, and there's lots of reasons why you would want to watch it, but like. Do I want to spend 40 minutes at a time getting into the mind mm-hmm. of a serial killer? Yeah, a yes. lot of people do. I, <laughs> yeah, I true crime love, podcast. For sure. I love that kind of stuff. And I think that's you why. Fucking I, sicko. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I just wasn't as excited about this movie just because, like, I've been watching Criminal Minds for so long. I listen to Murder Mystery podcasts almost every day. Wow. I watched Mindhunter a month ago. So I was just like, it, it feels on the same level. Almost. Um, it's still an incredible movie, and I don't want to knock it down for that. But there's a lot now that's just similar enough mm. where I don't feel as fulfilled as that's I fair. would have. I, so desensitized. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I feel thirty percent more death. I love the idea of like delving into like a psycho psychopath's psychology. Sure. Like I love the I I love the questions. I love movies that question why people think the way they do and why they behave the way they do. And a psychopath killer is almost like the ultimate subject for that because you're like, all of us, we go through life following society's rules and being moral, ethical people just because we think that's what you're supposed to do. And this is someone who intentionally has said, I'm against that. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do things what that I want to do. And it's like, how do you get to that point? What's the progression? Totally. Yeah. And like a skilled interviewer can kind of get such interesting, not like tidbits about the human brain, like yeah. why he had to kill women because they reminded of his mom or he was protecting his mom or right. whatever. Like there's all these weird kind of like little things you can get. I just like, I guess like I've, as I've gotten older, I've realized that media really does affect me mm. and like sitting in like the stuff this dark, I find like it sits with me. Like I'm yeah. like, this darkness is like with me and I'm like, oh, yeah. Not Sarah, everybody likes this movie. Some people think it was trashy. Like Siskel oh. and Ebert, uh, Ebert liked it, but Siskel thought it was just like, it was too dark. It was- Siskel's an idiot. <laughs> no, Ebert's the one that hates video games, so he's the idiot. No, but Ebert came around. He kind of <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ebert can be reasoned with. <laughs> Siskel, if you're listening to this, screw you, man. In heaven or wherever you are, <laughs> screw Wait, you. Siskel's dude. alive, isn't he? No, one of them's dead. They're no. both dead. No, they're not. They've been dead Ebert's, for a while. Ebert's dead. While you guys look that up, me and Sarah are going to talk about how when Hannibal phones Starling at the end, there's a fly on his head. Yes! Yeah, oh he my died. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, wait. Continue. <laughs> it, it 
it's just like the take yeah. that they had to use because yeah. there happened to be this yeah. fly on his no, head. No, that was brilliant. Okay, yeah. uh, Siskel is dead. I'm not thinking of Siskel. My bad. Siskel's yeah. I, Siskel and Ebert. I don't, I don't remember Siskel, but yeah. Roper. Oh, okay. The guy who replaced Siskel. Uh, He's an idiot. Screw you, Roper. <laughs> um, yeah, well, going back to what we were talking about, about like like being embedded in these things and like watching them all the time. Sarah, I think you're going to be really screwed up when you're older. Absolutely. <laughs> Already am. Are you no. infantilizing her? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm saying that like there, that's the reason why I don't watch like these things all the time. Like... For your own brain's sake? Like, you're afraid that it'll change you in a negative way? I think that um, anyone who pretends that, like, uh, movies or stories or whatever doesn't affect them emotionally is, is kidding themselves. Like, I think... Sorry, not saying you you yeah, think no, that, no, no, Sarah. I, and we all of our tolerances are different, right? There are some people who can't like sit through one horror movie because they have a mental breakdown, and other people, you know, can watch them all the time, and it's totally fine. But I'm saying that, like, I think the reason that I don't completely embed myself in these things all the time is because from time to time, it's nice to to enjoy. But uh, you know, I need those Lord of the Rings in the, in between. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, the, I, it's stupid to be like, there's a one to one ratio of like, if you consume bad media, it's gonna affect your life adversely this way. For sure. But I think that humans are constantly seeking patterns in our life, and if we put one part of a pattern into our lives, that's like a scary fucking serial killer pattern. Yeah. You start to like make connections in your life that are tied to that, mm-hmm. and that's like a grounding you have. That I'm just like, I don't want that grounding. Right. I want fucking Pixar movie grounding. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. I think a, I think a good assortment. Yeah, is good. I think I, I feel agree. like it is. It, it's it's necessary to have those highs where you watch Soul or Inside Out or whatever, sure, and you're yeah. like, yeah, I feel great, man. I feel great about. It. I learned something about life. Let's go do something. And then it is, you know, you can't live there all the time. You need to descend into the void. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to enter the abyss. <laughs> enter sometimes. the void, man. Some, face yeah. face the blackness. The innermost cave. Yeah, exactly. You should watch into the. I void have a couple of rapid fire things before you please wrap yep. this up. Um, that Buffalo Bill nipple that they zoom in oh. on when he's like tugging on the It looks so person. fake. I don't it know. It looks fake to you? Yeah. Is it because you know it is fake? No, I just. It's a prop. I, it, oh. it clicked with me. I'm like, it looks so fake. Yeah, my What part? The like hole? It. Where the Everything, piercing goes in? The areola, like the outside of it. Look, so it they just looks stuck like, like weird, a thing on top? I don't know how they did it, but that's a fake nipple. Wow. Yeah, it, it looks weird. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there was no like bumps on it. It was like perfectly smooth. That whole scene where he's kind of like idolizing himself in the mirror felt kind of weird. Would you fuck me? Yeah, I'd fuck I'd me. Because like, I think it was. Yeah. Like, I think it was presenting uh, it as. I like, say that all the time. You know how you have like memes in your relationship. <laughs> me and my wife say that all the time. In that voice, all the time. Whenever we're just like. <laughs> Whenever there's like an unflattering, like you're just, you look unflattering, like your hair is greasy or you're like, you're just being ugly naked. We just we look at you like, would you fuck me? <laughs> in that voice? Yeah, it's in that voice. That's hilarious. Oh I my love God. it. Um, I was saying that scene is, that scene is really interesting because it's almost like, like it was, it was saying that what he was doing is like el- uh, evidence of his pathology where he's like obsessed with his own appearance and like looking at himself a certain way and like oh enjoying himself and it's almost it's almost funny because like in the era of you know self-love is important and like screw the haters it was just interesting to be like this isn't it's almost like this isn't seen as pathology today yeah. you well know? yeah he should have just been born 30 four, 30 years later yeah <laughs> he and then, been fine. yeah he'd be obsessed with like looking at himself his pierced, Instagram fake pierced mod- nipple yeah. in the mirror okay Instagram same scene mm-hmm. the song playing is uh, Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Okay. And you don't you don't know that? Like you don't associate that song with that scene? How about other people here? 
I mean, I've yeah. I've only seen this movie once. Have you seen the Jay and Silent Bob like the parody part? It was in Clerks too, where like Jay does his thing, same thing. He like tucks his dick between oh, his legs yeah. and he's dancing. The oh, same yeah. songs playing. Oh no. Oh, in reference to this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I had that, that cultural baggage. Like, when that song comes on, it's like, oh, oh that's, dude, that's the Buffalo Bill song. That's, oh, not, yeah. not, that's not a normal song that you put on, yeah. right? Okay. Back when I was a firefighter, and we used to drive, like, a long time to go to fires. Like, I was, I was a wild firefighter. We'd drive, like, to just out in the bush, right? There's this one guy on our crew who was, he was from Vancouver, and everyone else was from the Okanagan. They were way small, like, smaller town people. Mm. So this guy, he was, like... They called, it was back when the word metrosexual was used a lot. Oh, yeah. It was like, he was a hipster. He had skinny jeans. Like yeah. he was othered for all these reasons. And one time like he put his music on and he used to listen to like really lo-fi kind of shit. And he put on this song and everyone in the car had the same baggage as me. We're like, wait, what? You just put in this song on? Like you're just putting this on unironically? Yeah, yeah. We, thought, we thought it was so weird. We ribbed him for so long. But <laughs> now so this shit's on my playlist. So that, <laughs> this song is awesome. <laughs> I don't even remember. Like, you I don't have know to the send song me the link yeah. or something. No. I don't remember. Like, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Horses. Goodbye, horses. I'm flying over you. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I wanted to talk about was when she cuts her leg on the garage door and she's going into the storage facility. Right. Oh, yeah. Why does that happen? So that he can smell her blood. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That, that did seem a bit strange. I mean, I think it... Yeah, I didn't think too much about it. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's dangerous. Watch out. Was it, <laughs> is it the next time that she smell that Hannibal smells her blood? Yeah. I guess so. So it's that, and it then also that. it also like raises the danger level. Yeah, where like bingo. Yeah, when she's uh, in, she, and the cl- yeah, she's vulnerable. Yes, right. She can get hurt in this movie. The yep. sharks can smell the blood now that it's in the water. <laughs> I think that the fa- the fact that. Um, Hannibal notices it later. That's just kind of bonus. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's mostly there just to be like, yeah, she can get hurt later. Because he's a shark. Shark week. He's a shark. What are we talking about? He's the shark of this movie. (laughs) He is the Jaws. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I want to wrap it up. So we're going to (laughs) do, speaking of Jaws, we're going to do the spy who loved me with Jaws as the henchman. (laughs) No, (laughs) we're not. Convoy, stop. Pump the brakes, convoy. We're not doing that next week. We actually can't announce what we're doing next week because we don't really know. We might have something special to announce. It's still in the works. Yes. We don't know. But you can tweet at us no matter what at Carpal Critics and you can email us hello at carpalcritics.ca. Hello. In fact, I would suggest you follow us on Twitter because we'll probably say what's going on there first. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we only post this once a week. It comes out once a week. And on Twitter, we post multiple times. A uh, week. But if we were sharks, but if it'd we be were all sharks, week. We wouldn't post at all. <laughs> they have multiple rows of week. <laughs> 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 all, right. all right. Love you so much. You Thanks Bye. for listening. <laughs>